Hello and welcome back to the We Need Therapy podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Jordan. This week, I sit in the interviewer's seat and ask questions about Josh and his experience growing up with a Filipino background and living in Australian culture. Don't forget to like, listen and subscribe wherever you get good podcasts. And don't forget to follow our Instagram at we need therapy underscore pod. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. What a week it's been. I know. Between you and me, I am not ready for work next week. It's just been such a great summer and I don't know how I'm going to switch on. I know. I, um, I'm counting down the days until we go back and yeah, emotionally not ready, mentally not ready. Body still hasn't quite recovered from circuit yet, so we shall see what happens. Oh my God, speaking of bodies, I fully cooked myself. I know, I've heard about this on socials. Yeah, I went to Rottnest a few days ago with a group of mates and I fully cooked it, flipped out of my bike. So just hold up your injuries and I can try and describe them. So you've got kind of a big gash right in the middle of the palm of your hand, which looks pretty painful. And then on the other one, a slightly smaller version of that. So, so it's healed well the last few days because I've been really trying to treat it. How do you, how do you heal things like that? Um, have two nurses as parents. <laughs> <laughs> Did you need any stitches? No, but like, I think I'd describe them as Jesus on a cross. Really? Yeah, like they're right, like... It's a bit offensive. (laughs) (laughs) That's the tone of what we're going for anyway. Exactly, great. But yeah, so imagine Jesus on a cross and his hands got nailed. Right. Okay, that's what's happened to you. Bilateral, couple of grazes down the leg and sort of cooked my foot. Yeah, I can see that there. It happened like I wasn't even that drunk. Believe it or not. I, I don't believe it. Yeah. First hour of the day on our way to Salmon Bay, there's like a big hill going down. Yeah. And you know, when you're in rottenness, you're like, you're feeling alive. You don't have a care in the world. Yeah. You feel the breeze against your body and yeah. you stand up on the bike. You were having that moment, that Hollywood moment. Yeah, of, yeah, I feel yeah. so free right now. <laughs> yeah. So I was going down the hill, wind in my hair, the back brakes didn't work on my bike, so okay. I only had the front brake. So I had to get used to that. And going down the hill, I was picking up some serious speed and then standing up and I was like, oh, it's a bit quick. I should like, you know, gently push down on the brake. So I pushed down on the front brake and Uh-oh. then totally flipped over the top of my handlebar. Eek. And then, yeah. You landed. just jackknife straight over the top. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty bad, but I'm quite Shit. lucky that I know how to protect my body in a fall. Oh my God, this is so you, like <laughs> bragging, even when you've got your face smashed. I was going to say. You went from having the fucking wind in the hair to the bitumen in your hair. And well, there's not even much of your hair left. So <laughs> I don't know if the chunks coming out are from male pattern baldness or this latest road trauma incident. Oh, well, I was actually going to say years of being punched in high school has taught me how to take a hit. So really? <laughs> I managed to like flip over the handlebars, but roll and I've cooked my shoulder and my hands. And okay. I don't know if it's just the OT in me, but it's, it's really hard to use my hands. Oh really? I because they've got those massive gashes right in the center of your Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like okay. even driving a car, I have to. Are you going to get vehicle mods for your car? <laughs> well, uh, even other things like holding things in my hand. Oh God, where is this? going are you telling me you haven't jerked off in like 10 days <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny because i was with my housemate at the time and my hand was bleeding i was like oh uh-oh lucky i had a wank the other night because well but you could normally use that pair of tweezers that i let you <laughs> didn't you oh to be honest i could just use the uh, <laughs> just the, the index if you can do the, the thumb. <laughs> if you can do the pincer grip you're absolutely fine so don't worry about it <laughs> but realistically it's taught me I, I probably should try harder to find a girlfriend now 
Okay. Because Someone of else this injury. To... Right. I think, yep, that's the main takeaway message from this. <laughs> you, you need to push harder to find a girlfriend. Like you haven't been doing that for the last 27 years. <laughs> Just now, took a near-death experience. But now it's medical related. <laughs> of course, yeah. We should get you on in the NDIS. <laughs> Uh, permanent trauma so how long is that going to take to heal up hopefully i can knock it on the head in a week's time do you reckon i get time off work maybe you get a couple of sick days out of that i reckon i can milk this for sure i remember when we were going through physio we learned that there was two types of healing that occurred i think it was primary and secondary and primary is like when you get a break in the skin and then you push both parts of the skin together and stitch it back up Mm. that's called like primary because both just knit straight back together. Yeah. But what you've got there is secondary or another type. And that's when a big gouge comes out. Yeah. Basically, the skin slowly starts to heal on top of each other. But I think the, the type of healing is not as great because you've got those big gouges out of your, your flesh, basically. Mm. So you might find that your hand's really tight and, like and, from and the scar the tissue. Yeah, the scar tissue and the, the scabbing. Because it's in the palmer surface of my hand, like I constantly keep reopening it. Yeah. Which is really annoying. Gross. And you can't really like, you can't put a bandage over that or anything, can you? Oh, I mean, mum and dad are nurses, so they, they got me the top-notch shit oh, from the hospitals. That's pretty good. So wait, so your, your parents are both nurses, right? Yep. So how come you didn't go into nursing? Um, because I saw how miserable they were and the rest of my family. <laughs> to be fair, I think anyone that works in healthcare, primary healthcare, knows like nursing doesn't seem to be a great gig. No, for very, very important, but it's yeah. a tough gig. Oh, super important. And it's a Are we going to get cancelled because we said like nursing's not a great gig? <laughs> I didn't say it. you're going to get cancelled. I don't have enough people following me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's a, I think it's a Filipino thing because all my aunties are nurses, all my cousins are nurses. Okay. And it's just me and my sister ended up just doing OT. Jill copied me. Right. But I wanted to be my own person. You were the one that was setting the trend. But wait a minute. I've actually heard a story about how you found OT. And it's not as benevolent as you're making it sound, is it? So do you want to talk me through the process of you finding OT? I hate how good your memory is for useless (laughs) things about my life. But yeah, growing up, I was very interest, like very into sports, played footy, cricket, tennis, all that. And I was very smart back in the day, believe it or not. So I could basically go into any pathway that I wanted. Mum and dad being healthcare workers were like, nah, you should always work in health. You'll always have a job, blah, 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 blah. But don't be a nurse. Oh, so they were telling you not to be a nurse? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. So I was looking through the medical field. I think I was looking at, you know, OT, physio, Cairo, medicine, realized I wasn't smart enough for medicine. Yeah. We've all had that. Enough or... empathy to be a doctor. Yeah. Which in reality is probably... Or enough cash to afford the course to be yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, it was physio that I wanted to do because you'd see them on TV treating sports stars. They always look so cool, like walking around. And I'd been to a physio a few times because I used to get quite a lot of soft tissue injury. Is this, again, jerking off related or because like, you were like teens at this point? So it's yeah, a bit inappropriate. <laughs> so, but I agree. Like, I think physio is quite like a sexy profession. Oh, right? 100%. Everybody knows what a physio is. It has a certain level of, I guess, respect. Oh, yeah. Word. And you get, you get sexy male physios. You get sexy female physios. You get sexy female OTs. Wait, you never about- hear of a sexy male OT. I think you've just shot yourself in the foot here. You've not spoken about trans people, non-binary people. I mean, I can't believe it. I'm a member of the LGBT mafia. And I feel like completely been overlooked. But I anyway. wake up with like a chicken head in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> a chicken head? It would be like a unicorn head. 
sparkles <laughs> coming out of the, the top of it. Anyway, you were oh. talking about... Oh, sorry, I interrupted you talking about very sexy physio. Yeah, so I was going down the, the physio pathway and then just like every other inconvenience in my life, a girl walked in. Okay. And so this girl that I had a crush on in high school, she was looking at doing OT mm-hmm. and immediately in my head, being very immature and spontaneous back then, I was like, oh, actually, yeah, I like OT, not even knowing what it was. Yeah. And so she planted that seed and I took that seed and grew this. Wow. I mean, that explains a lot. <laughs> and also I have more questions, which I feel like we're going to uncover in this episode of We Need Therapy because the last couple of episodes you've definitely been in the interviewer seat would you agree yeah it's my very comfortable seat ah i see now we're going to kind of flip them a little bit so i'm going to be discovering a bit about your backstory interviewing you and things like that so origin story (laughs) the the superhero that is josh oh yeah well you you do pretty well at promoting some of the good qualities but we're going to see if we can (laughs) uncover your kryptonite today (laughs) so So i'm going to take my pants off is what you're saying (laughs) Why have you already got them off, is my question. <laughs> I didn't realise that was scarred as well, so I'm in for a treat. I think there's a, there's a full chunk missing out of that. Or, oh, no, sorry, that was uninjured. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so as I said, today is all about discovering you and what makes you tick. And one of the things that I wanted to explore, if you're comfortable, is the idea of growing up in Australia as an Asian person or a person with Asian parents. Yep. So... I guess I just want to know about you. So, what are three words you would use to describe yourself? Oh, three words to describe myself. That's such a another icebreaker. Kind of. Yeah, we're we're just about to transition into like tutorial one, yeah. semester one of uni. So, I hope you three people that do this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right, three words to describe myself. Um, I'd describe myself as funny or humorous. I wouldn't. <laughs> Next. <laughs> um, loyal Okay Would you agree with that one or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah Definitely loyal to relationships that are going nowhere <laughs> Next <laughs> And the last one, I'm a bit scared to say this now um, But wise Okay I think I can be quite wise when I think that comes with the glasses Yeah Anyone that doesn't know, Josh wears glasses 24-7 And you do have a certain wisdom about you That's an interesting one, wise Like How did you come up with that? Because I don't think many people would describe themselves as wise. Mm, I think it's more so the people that are closest to me can resonate with that. Um, Right. Often a person that people come to for solace or to bounce a few ideas. I think it's more so the therapy side of me and what they like. You have a very calming nature about you, right? Mm. So do people feel comfortable with, you know, kind of, volatile problems or sensitive information. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I I get that. And I guess I just want to think back to what's your earliest memory of life? What's one thing that you remember from your childhood? This is very random. I know it is. My my earliest memory of life was when my cousin Jive was born. So we're one year difference. And I remember I was at auntie's... Oh, I was dropped off at... My auntie's house or, or something I was at my auntie's house and had to get picked up And then they were saying Oh, auntie's just going to the hospital And she's going to bring back a cousin Okay And at that age, 
I don't know, you're not really thinking too much. But I remember one afternoon he wasn't there and then the afternoon he was there. Right. Kind of like things that really anchor you in life. Like when people say, where were you when, you know, the landing on the moon or Princess Diana or 9-11. Let's go back to something you were saying before where you said auntie. Mm. Um, Was that your auntie or is that someone in the family? Uh, Like, is that a term that that people of Filipino background use to describe everybody? Um, She was... Slash still is my auntie. Okay. But it is quite common in Filipino culture that whoever is a, a member that's senior to you, you call them uncle or auntie. Oh, okay. As so a it's a sign of respect. Yeah. Is that something that happens in a lot of Asian cultures? Or? I believe so. Yeah. I'm not really sure because I'm not really au fait with much other <laughs> Asian co- cultures. Well, I mean, you know that one of my partners is Asian. He's Vietnamese. And they, they use that auntie and uncle, I'm pretty sure, quite yeah. strongly. So... Yeah, it's quite interesting. And because your background's Filipino. Yeah, my background is Filipino. Both your parents are from the Philippines? Both parents are from the Philippines, yeah. They met when they were there, then dad came here first. They did the whole long distance thing, and then mum came over and followed. Oh, okay. This was obviously before you were born. They did all this, the yep. long distance yep. thing. Yeah, okay. Yep. Nice and Catholic family. Yeah, and and they've produced a very nice Catholic boy, it, it amen appears. Amen to that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can I get an amen? Um... So, what was it like growing up in Australia, being, you know, of Filipino descent? What kind of memories swirl around in your head? For me, it wasn't anything until I started to go to school and see other people that weren't like me. In what way? Like, I remember going to school and I was one of maybe two or three dark slash Asian coloured people in the year group. Right. And I think back then in the 90s, we... I know we've come a long way in Australia in terms of race and, and whatnot, but I, I feel like we still got a long way to go. But back then, a lot of kids would look at me and almost bully slash laugh or question why I look so different. Are you talking about the colour of your skin? Are you talking about other features? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I was a very scrawny, skinny boy. I looked very... Looked very Chinese back then. It, it, it's a weird okay. thing. I don't know if I've showed you pictures of me as a child. It's almost unrecognizable. Yeah, I think I have seen images of you when you were younger. And yeah, so I, 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 you know, the slanted shape eyes. I had the dark skin and the black hair. Yeah. Okay. So you had some of those, you know, what what we think about as kind of stereotypical Asian features, yep. right? Yeah. I mean, I still do have those features. Y- you do. I mean, you do have those features, yes. But I can imagine that school probably wasn't the easiest place in the 90s growing up when no, you were different. No. It was... Did you have any experiences where you really felt that that space between you and your classmates? Yeah. I, I remember an incident where just at lunchtime, mum gave me Filipino food, which was just rice and some kind of stew. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had it at school and was eating it. And I could remember, you know, my group of three other kids that I was friends with would look at that food and they started laughing, being like, oh, what's that? That looks so funny. Right. And I remember feeling so embarrassed and horrified that I ran home that day crying to mom and said, never bring me this food again. Ouch. How does that make you feel now? Like that that story, your reaction. How do you think your your parents felt? Like I think that was the f- one of the first examples of my life that I felt shame and embarrassment, and I related that to the culture that we had, mm. and 
I didn't say it to mum and dad, but their reaction from there then on, they would give me, you know, Western food. They'd give me a sandwich or they'd cook me um, chicken strips. And for the whole right. of primary school, high school, I'd only ever have white people food. And that's it's such a shame that 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 occurred but also that a white person was making fun of you for eating probably delicious asian food when they were eating fucking apricot chicken yeah. like are you sure the shame wasn't on the other side being like uh this person hasn't overcooked the rice like this this isn't gluggy what yeah, is well, this it, like, it's it's comical now looking back it because, is because you know there's a chinese restaurant around the corner well, there's asian food exactly. everywhere exactly i feel like as a as a side at least the space in which we are in society like I don't know, maybe it's my exposure because of my partner, but the idea of all these beautiful Asian foods, mm. multicultural foods, it's such a big place in our world now. And yet for someone to to bully you, to make you feel less than, because you had that experience in the 90s opening up a lunchbox, I mean... It was something so small, but I, I think it kind of resonated as I went older because I experienced that shame and embarrassment, which for a five-year-old, six-year-old kid is a very overwhelming feeling. In, in a phase of your life where that developmental period where, like, you know, there's so much happening in your brain. Mm. So, for that to kind of be threaded through. So, I'm curious now because I know what you do for a job. Yep. You often go into schools, public schools, private schools, um, primary, high schools. What is it like now? Are there What's the differences? Are you noticing a more mixed um, classrooms? Are you seeing foods? Are you seeing games played that were different from when you were at school? Yeah, I, I definitely, yeah. Walking to a school, it's almost, it, it's very multicultural now, um, which is quite nice. And yeah, the clients that we see, sometimes there's names that we've never heard of before. Or we, we haven't mm. pronounced. And I think that just shows how far we've come as a culture and embracing new and different cultures. Did you have any Asian teachers when you were growing up? No. Did you feel like you were treated any differently because of your ethnicity like from a teaching point of view like was everyone giving you the same curriculum or was there kind of attempts to kind of modify it or do you think people kind of softly stepped around your heritage i'm I'm not a hundred percent sure i i very much was a smart kid growing up and i remember getting a lot of positive feedback for that Mm. and so when you're a child and and you know you're feeling shame for being different the minute that there's positive feedback or attention going your way you tend to grab that and and seek that and so because teachers would say I'm quite smart then I naturally was driven to continue to get that feedback like a drug right was very smart in primary school was very smart in high school and worked very hard for that because I felt like my value was based on their perception of me okay what about the the stereotypical notion that Asian parents encourage or look for success in their children is that something that rings true for your household? It's certainly something that we see promoted on, you know, um, pop culture, TV shows. Mm, yeah, I, I, I'd agree. I don't think my, like, I, I'm so lucky and blessed with the parents that I have in life that they weren't as intense as what I hear other people have been through or other cultures go through. But there was definitely that high value around, you know, you've got to be smart. You've got to go to uni was like bare minimum. You had to do year 10, 11, 12, do ATAR, go to uni, get a career. And I think I'm lucky, and I I mentioned him earlier, my younger cousin who was a year younger than me, we basically grew up together as brothers. Yes. um, And Filipino culture, like we were always together, did everything together. I was quite smart 
and he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And the family dynamics are not just our parents, but the, the extended family would always compare the two of us together. Right. And we'd constantly be hound around, you know, Josh is so smart. Josh has done this. Okay. And I'd get a lot of praise and reward for that. Whereas Jive, he was often left to the side and he was often taunted with, oh, you should be more like Josh. Why aren't you more like Josh? Mm, okay. And even an example was my grandma used to give me money because I got good grades and she wouldn't give it to Jive because he didn't. Okay. So there was that sense of achievement, reward, yep. success. Yeah. And it's quite nice reconnecting with him over the last year because he's got his own mental health issues, which stem from those experiences that we had. Whereas mine was, I had to be recognized in order to be worthy. Right. Whereas him, his was, he wasn't worthy because he's not good enough. It's... It's so interesting, like, when you look back, particularly when you're in therapy, I mean, actual therapy, not a crap podcast like this, but you look back and you think, wow, my childhood was really good. And then you start to uncover and you realize everyone's kind of a little bit fucked Tapped up. In the head, yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if you get the praise and the the respect or the money or whatever, or you get yeah. overlooked, like, everyone comes out of it with their own issues. So mm. it's- and, like, it got to the point where if I didn't get that recognition... Yeah. I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough. We're the same. I'm constantly... I would even cheat to get that. Like, I didn't care if I needed to go the right way. Like, I would copy his answers or I'd swap our paper uh, or I'd take things from him because I needed to get that value and that recognition. Yeah. Okay. Once you got it, you just felt like you had to keep getting it. Can we, if you're comfortable, explore some stereotypes about um, Asian people that you've heard of or that exist within our culture because there's a lot of them. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think I'm going to be doing anything like cutting edge here. No. And and it's interesting because we lump Asia as a big culture, you know? Yes. But for absolutely. me, Filipino, like I see myself as Filipino, not Asian because culturally we're so different to say the Chinese, the, the Indonesian, the Indian, like they're yeah. completely different cultures. We don't look at Europe and think, oh... European culture, we think of, you know, the Italians, the French, the Spanish. But I know, I've shot myself in the foot with that question right there. We've come into a massive one. So, so Filipino people, when you think about Filipino people, what kind of things spring to mind? When I think of Filipino people, I think of food, celebration, family and connection. Yeah. Like any Filipino person, if they walk into the room, I can almost sense this energy from them. Right. Uh, I don't know if other people do that with cultures that they're from, but I can always tell if a Filipino walks through the room because personality-wise, we're all quite very similar, very flamboyant, very extravagant, very loud. You often hear Absolutely. us before you walk into the room. And they're, like, from my experiences, they're really friendly, warm people. Mm. They have such a nice energy about yeah. them. It's almost like a, a feminine energy, I'd describe yes. it as. We're not a very masculine culture. Yes. And we've spoken about this before with some of the things that Filipino males and females do, particularly the males. Like, you've mentioned that they really get into karaoke. Yeah. Yeah. Like, karaoke is a great example. Like, you look at Australian culture and, like, we even think a few months back at our work Christmas thing, like, we floated the idea of doing karaoke and he's going to hate that we've we've brought him up here, Simon. But he was like, oh, no, I don't want to do karaoke. And that's quite similar to a lot of, you know, male partners or friends that I've had or male people in my life that are Australian. 
the minute you say something like karaoke or dancing, it's like, oh, no, we don't want to do that. That is exactly like Simon. You just nailed <laughs> it. the voice. Yeah. Yeah. Cisgendered, like monotonal voice. <laughs> deep. Got it. No, I, I agree. And I feel like when someone says karaoke, I'm like, yes, that's amazing. But that is me being very comfortable with taking the female role. Like yep. if we're doing, you know, if I'm doing a whole new world duet, I'm fucking gunning for Jasmine. That is my vocal range. Yeah. Like. I think there's something between, yeah, gay people or people that are in touch with their feminine side or just don't give a shit what people think. More likely to jump into those experiences. And And it sounds like Filipino people are kind of there. They're ready to take the mic. Ready to roll, yeah. Um, And and that's exactly right what you say about that feminine side, that feminine culture. I often am described to be quite feminine in my... It's the sort of energy that I, I, I come to the table with and quite often it's being confused with me being gay, but actually it's just me being comfortable in, in who I am and the culture that I that I have. And how does that make you feel when people assume or t- or ask that if you're gay? Yeah, it, it shot me in the foot a few times and it, it's something that pops up quite a lot. I almost feel like people assume I'm gay until proven straight. Right. And, and it's hard when you're dating or when you're talking to someone because I'm so used to being so friendly and so involved and, and like I can make friends quite easily. You definitely can. I've seen you talking to a rock on one stage. <laughs> That's because I was really cooked. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. Um, yeah. People assume that me being friendly means that, oh, he, you know, he's making friends with females. He must be gay rather than me. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck their brains out, you know, I mean, I can see how that limits you functionally in a situation. Functionally. But how does it, how does it make you feel when someone thinks that you're gay? Because does it really matter? Or do you feel misunderstood? Does it make you feel kind of frustrated? What's the emotion? I'd say frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, why should it matter the way that I conduct myself? Right. Why, why, why does sexuality have to come to the table? Exactly. I, I feel that. Sorry, I'm hijacking your point, but we spoke about last week about me bringing my sexuality into a session in a professional setting. And sometimes I think, but why does it matter? Like, why is this the most important part of me? It's not yeah. in this setting. It yeah. is a part of me, but it doesn't always need to be. Yeah. It's almost like in Australia, you know, we have this vision around how a cisgendered straight male should be. And, and if you're not like that, well, you need to become that because that's the culture that we have here you know you have to like sports right did do you feel this kind of pressure growing up that this this sense of you have to be this way i think talking about it now it makes me reflect and because i am quite sporty i'm quite athletic you've got those beautiful calves that i draw over every day <laughs> is that why you always stand behind me <laughs> what was my ass you're looking at oh my god <laughs> no that's rubbish <laughs> Yeah, so growing up, like, I remember year year six was my year where I realized I was actually quite good at sports. Okay, David Beckham coming at you. Yeah, so I, was, I realized I was quite good at football, quite good at catching, playing cricket, quite athletic, quite agile. Um, and that was the early stage of my life where my value wasn't just my academic side, but know people who used to tease me or bully me was was starting to notice me and being like oh he's actually really good at sport oh come play with us at lunchtime come play footy with us i'd be one of the first chosen in sports class that must have felt good and and it felt great and i was like oh okay so if i do this then i'll get the recognition and like with any other aspect of my life i was very 
and probably still am very addicted to having attention on me. Oh yeah. I can see that. And 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 talking back through all those examples back and in the so day. And so did that continue like with your sporting? Did you keep doing that? Yeah, so I continued with my sport going into high school. Um, and then I almost feel like my personality changed from, you know, being at home playing video games to being outside playing sport mm-hmm. because I was getting that attention. I was starting to make friends, more superficial friends because of the talent that I had rather than anything meaningful. Uh, and growing up, I started to adopt Western culture more and more because I was getting a lot of positive feedback from Were it. there? And yeah, I understand. I, uh, that makes sense. Like... You adopt the values of Western culture, the visual aspect of, you know, looking a certain way or playing a certain sport. Mm. But did you have experiences where you were, you experienced shame or embarrassment for, you know, being Asian or Filipino or... Yeah, I mean, all, all through high school, like, I'd be referred to as the Chinese boy when wow. I'm not even I mean, Chinese. you're not even Chinese. Or, like, yeah. yeah. Even, like, an example... And at the time, like, I thought it was really cool. But my nickname playing football was the Ninja. Okay. In- Famously, is it Japanese? Yeah, Japanese. Right. So, they can't even get the geography right. <laughs> yeah. And, like, at the time, I was like, oh, I've got this cool nickname. Like, it's very Australian. They call me the Ninja. But looking back, like, it was, it, it'd be like me looking at a white person and, and calling them, like, I don't know, an Italian chef or something. Like, it's just so outside of... Yeah. But because we clump Asians all into to one thing. So, did you feel like when you were put in those positions, do you ever feel like you're forced to laugh along? Yeah, absolutely. Or other examples was like people in my footy team would be like, oh, you stupid Asian. Like every time I'd make a mistake or they'd say, oh, Asians shouldn't play football. Ouch. And the they're all things that like, I, I, yeah. It's like when you, yeah, when you have something positive Um, you know, you've got that nickname about being really agile and then something negative, they bring your culture or your background into it as well. Mm. Like, when would you ever do that with an Australian person? Like, if they miss the kick, you're not going to bring up like, I don't know, something kangaroo, whatever. Like, yeah, it's just that they kind of paint you with that extra brush. Yeah. And, And it's something that I cop even now as an adult. And part of it is because I'm... I'm quite larger than life, you know, like a, an, in a social setting. And I think people who see that, and it's the classic tall poppy syndrome effect that we have, or the, the culture that we have in Australia around, you know, if someone's on a pedestal, we'll, we'll cut them down. Mm. Quite often, people cut me down because of my race, because there's no other way that you can cut me down, right. if that makes sense. Or, or their perception of you being successful in that social mm. setting doesn't fit with that yeah. this that stereotypical norm of like Asians are a bit more quiet, a bit more reserved. Like Yeah, to an extent. Like the the two main pieces of abuse that I get is being Asian or being gay. And okay. they're usually from white males. Right. White males are the bane of my existence. <laughs> I mean straight males. Yeah, okay, gay ones got- I get quite <laughs> quite um well along with um but anyway that's a different different story um so i, I kind of want to talk about a little bit about some of my recent exposure to some of the stereotypes put upon asian people as as i mentioned you know one of my partners is vietnamese and i feel like um he doesn't look like a typical what we expect vietnamese people to he's really tall and he's very muscular. Mm. And when we think about, and I'm talking about just all Asian people, yeah. whether that's Japanese, Chinese, Vietnamese, Thai, 
you definitely, you know, think of a shorter stature person. Yeah. And so when, you know, when I'm introducing him to people, when they're looking at him, they're going, wow, you don't look Vietnamese, you know, or sometimes they say, I'm not normally into Asian guys. But yes. I'm into oh you. my God. I get that. And so it's like, much. what do you mean you're not normally like, and then this whole debate comes back and forth of like, it's my preference. It's my sexuality. It's just what I'm into. And I don't know where I, I don't know where I sit with the whole thing. Like on a personal level, it really frustrates me that people bring race into it, that mm. people paint all, you know, Asian looking people with the same brush. Like basically what you were saying back in the nineties, I feel like growing up, I grew up rurally. It was either like Chinese or nothing basically yeah. in our heads. That's what yeah. we kind of thought. Okay. Asian China, China's the biggest part of Asia everyone's kind of from China, everything's made in China that's plastic. I feel like people still look at him and go, we don't look Chinese, so yeah, yeah, yeah. you're different. Or It's, it's funny, something you said that had, had just sparked something in my head and the comment, you're pretty good for an Asian, okay. is always, uh, someone says it as a compliment, but it's actually the most insulting thing Yeah, it's really ever. insulting. I don't think you need to scratch far below the surface to realize or, how or even, um, that is. Even someone was giving me a compliment the other day and, and like, this is someone that I had slept with quite a while ago. And she was like, oh, similar to what you were saying, I don't usually sleep with Asians. I don't really like Asians, but, you know, you're one of the good Asians or you're one of the real attractive ones. And I'm like, mm. why does my culture have to define my level of attraction or who I am? Absolutely. And and for me, that's the worst thing you can say to me because that fuels more shame that oh, the less Asian you are, the more better you'll be. Right. It's like, okay, yeah. So it's like if you're, yeah, the more Asian you are, the worse you are at sex or the less attractive you yeah. are. It's like this idea that the white kind of like, I don't know, to be white or to be European looking is that's what attractive is. Yeah. Which is just fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And she obviously got, you know... She got her tongue tied because you're not good looking. So it doesn't matter. Asian, white, <laughs> something else going on there. <laughs> but um, let's talk about sexuality a little bit. Like, yeah. Because one of the things that surprised me, probably quite, uh, I was a bit ignorant of this, but I assumed that you would be interested in Asian women, Asian, mm. you know, Young ladies, I suppose. But young ladies. I don't know where that came from. It was a fucking... <laughs> I feel like I'm in Downton Abbey. I don't... Young ladies. You know what I was going to say? Young girls. And I okay. thought that's I'm, I'm much going to change it up. worse. <laughs> but um, no, so I assumed that being Filipino, you might be interested in Filipino women. Yeah. You're not, are you? Uh, yeah, right now, absolutely not, not attracted whatsoever. What sort of... Uh, girl are you looking for? Um, I'm quite attracted. <laughs> Sounds like a, a, a pitch for a blind date. <laughs> it basically is. I, not, I've I, actually got three different types <laughs> of women in this wardrobe. Um, they were alive when I put them in a few days ago. We might, I forgot oh, so you're saying there's some women that are about to come out of the closet into my room. <laughs> yeah, dead or alive. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so, I mean, it's no secret. I am quite attracted to Caucasian women or European women. No secret. So you're just typing it out there, putting it into the universe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think if we look at your like, yeah, your dating history. His- oh, dating history. Sorry. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's white, it's white chicks basically, <laughs> and not the black guys dress up as white chicks, like literal <laughs> white chicks. 
That's um, an interesting porn category. <laughs> look, I've been deep into the dark web. Like, I've seen everything. So you're into you're into Caucasian women. Yeah. Why do you think that is? It's only the last twelve months that I've realised why, and realised that I'm attracted to this particular looking person or race is because I grew up feeling so ashamed for my race and not wanting to be my race because of what other people were saying. Yeah. So it, it's almost like I'm not attracted to Asian women anymore because I've had society tell me all my life that my value is the fact that I'm not Asian. Right. It's kind of cooked. Definitely cooked. We should get a legit therapist on here and not have me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is hard. Is that changing at all? Like, because are you becoming more comfortable or confident with your culture and your heritage? Do you think that will bleed into your sexuality or your sexual preferences, I should say? I don't know. I, I feel like I'm only just scratching the surface of being comfortable with my culture that I think it's still such a long journey and it doesn't help having interactions still in this day and age where things happen and I get abused because of my race. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah. That's tricky. Like, even like, um, I'd say six months ago, just another example, and I'm very cautious to name names, just in case they're listening. They're probably not listening. I don't think anyone's listening, <laughs> babe. A, a friend of a friend that I have invited me to their birthday or their event, and, and I went, and, you know, I've always superficially got along with this person, but I've never been comfortable around them because they always revert to Asian jokes. Right. Um, and he was very drunk that night, which doesn't really excuse anything, but, you know, it, it got to the point where his taunts were pretty bad that I had to leave because I felt so uncomfortable. He sounds uh, like a cunt. Yeah. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd, I don't know. But, you know, he, he'd go up and... He would make those like karate noises in my ear for no other reason, right? And okay, you know, constant Asian jokes and like he would go up and slant his eyes. Are you serious? Yeah. In twenty twenty two slash three, whenever this was. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I know the world's come a long way, at least in my space of the world. But six months ago. I feel like 10 years ago, we knew not to do that. Uh, it, still, it still happens a lot. Like, well, yeah, clearly. Like even an example the other day, like I was just walking down to the shops. Um, I don't know, it's, it's hard for me to talk about because I, I, it's just such a disgusting experience. But I was walking down by myself to the shops and this car full of young males drive past, slow down and then scream at me. Until I turn around and they're like, what are you doing here, Asian? And then just drove off. Shit, yeah. And, I mean, that is a lot. And we have spoken about this before. It's, that's insane. And, like, do do any of your friends know about this? No, I, I don't talk about any of my race stuff that happens to my friends. I don't, I don't this know is why. like Even the way you say it, it's like my race stuff. This is not your issue. Like, this is not your problem. You're taking on this this burden, but this exists within society and it's fucking disgusting. Know, it's their issue. And yet, like, I can feel that shame. Yeah, like, if I was with my friends at the time, it wouldn't happen. 
Yeah. Because all my friends are white, are like are white and yeah, I don't because, know, even, even if, I don't know, I don't feel comfortable telling people that story because I don't know, there's no action to Yeah. I understand. Like, I don't know. yeah. Where do we go f- from here? Like get the pitchforks out and hunt down the majority of the population. Yeah. That's going to go well. I I know that we come from different backgrounds and sexualities and stuff, but I kind of feel something here when you were talking about you're with that person and you kind of like them, but you're not sure about them in certain situations. I think when you're in the minority and you put yourself in situations, it's, it's hard to feel it comfortable because mm. you're always like, yes, I know that person is a good person or I know they're probably not going to hurt me. Yeah. But if all the stars aligned in the wrong way, there's that potential. Like, I just come back to the feeling, do like white, straight, cisgendered males ever feel that? Like, it's that potential that, yeah, everything is probably going to be okay. Mm. What if it's not? Like, I don't know. Yeah, do you I, ever I, feel I, that? I, I do but like even like my group of friends like i love them to bits but they're all very attractive white women um and me (laughs) ouch um (laughs) like they they just can't seem to grasp or understand you know the the difficulties i have with dating yeah and and my race and, and my culture and whatnot like even on dating apps, they're like, oh, you know, why aren't you getting more likes? Why aren't you getting more matches? Oh, it's because, you know, you don't have these photos. It's because of this and that. And I'm like, well, I don't know if this is the truth, but this is how I feel. Like, I feel like I don't get success on age, uh, on dating apps because of the way I look. Mm. I I believe you. I mean, not in a, not in a comedic <laughs> in sense, <laughs> but like... I, I believe that the average person in Australian culture, whether they're gay or straight, mm. are not looking for, yeah, an Asian partner. Because of my experiences with my own partner, Yeah, this country is I, I think it's just it, it, It's just an ingrained racist tone that we have in this country because of what's happened previously around, you know, the white Australia policy that we used to have around, you know, the white people are still top of the tree. And then everyone else is down. Like, I, I don't know. It's Yeah. I and, try not to think about it. Cause but it's, I, I, I see someone making excuses for other people. Like, which is what I, I don't even know how I feel about it. It's just wrong. Like, what that is, that kind of dating sphere and the racism that exists. But I can hear you trying to explain it away. I can hear you trying to make excuses for the way that people act. And it's like... Just call it out for what it is. Like yeah, you're not know. responsible for solving the problem. Yeah, I, I don't know, know that. I, I think that's na- just, you know, I, I'm so whitewashed in the way that I feel like I need to be. That maybe you know, I think there's a lot that I need to unpack here with my actual psych. To be honest, now that we're saying it out loud, but I think the cultural shame that I have is so ingrained that I justify the racist comments or the abuse that comes my way. Right. That was really hard to say out loud. That's... Yeah, I I appreciate you <laughs> saying that. And I don't even know like where to go from here, but I do have an idea that's going to take you kind of away so you can relax for a little bit. Oh, what are you going to do to me? <laughs> <laughs> Lay down on the bed and get the silver lean. <laughs> so 
because of your background and the, you've had these experiences, you've had them in primary school, you've had them in high school and you've fucking had them like a few weeks ago or six months ago. Like it's continual trauma. Like I know you to be, um, you know, for, for background, we work in a, a socially progressive place. Like, you know, we work for disability yeah. care. We're advocates, right? Do you think that because of the experiences you've had, you advocate strongly for people? Yeah, I think so. In, in terms of minorities, yeah. I, that's been my experience is when you have experienced what it's like to be on the outside that you usually argue pretty strongly for those yeah. when you see them around. Yeah. And I think you are a great advocate for other people. You don't have to solve this, you know, the, the all the problems that Filipino or Asian people face, mm. even though I kind of hear you trying to explain them away, like... Yeah, if there's one thing that's come out of all of this, it's that I think it makes you a better therapist. An I occupational need therapy. therapist. <laughs> you totally need therapy. I need therapy as well, even just... From this when, conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so we covered a lot today. There yeah, was... We did. I probed you with some pretty hard questions and occasionally other parts of my body <laughs> as well. Um, but I kept quiet when that happened. <laughs> That is a terrible joke. Edit that out. That's just disgusting. Um, who else can we offend? Uh, Catholics, the children of sexual abuse. Um, oh, actually, no, that's a good point you say that. You made a comment earlier around cisgendered white men and you, you made a generalizing comment and I do want to highlight that. You know, it, it, It's not all cisgendered white people, white males that have this attitude towards me. Um, there's some amazing ones in my life and yeah, absolutely. Some like yeah. Really good friends. And I think, yeah, it is just a, a small minority. That yes. A loud voice. Yeah. Yeah. That is sometimes screaming. At, mm, it's horrible. Um, I want to thank you for being so open today, letting me interview you. I had a really good time. Even though really? Quiet. I did not have a good time. Yeah. I didn't think you did, <laughs> but hopefully the listeners got something out of it. No. Yes. And thank you for, I don't know, being able to get that out of me was was tough, and um, yeah, I congratulate you for it because it's not something that I like to talk about a lot at all. And hopefully, moving forward, some of our episodes will be a bit more cheerful. I don't think so. I'm going to make them as somber as possible. People will be like, "This is a comedy. This is fucking black comedy." Oh, well, you know what? Dark ne- humor. I think next week we can go look into your life again and, and nah, some of the. Uh, it is a disaster. Things Let me that have been going much. on recently. Eek. But stay tuned. So yeah, we're hoping to release weekly episodes on a monday or tuesday the next few weeks and yeah please like subscribe and get in touch with any feedback that you have and now it's time for your award-winning sign off i'll say goodbye and you're gonna say ciao ciao kill me (laughs) 